0: Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Chelsea Hagen. Ooh, holy Ghost, that's a good way to good way to start, Amen. And I just want to, uh, before I start, I just wanna, just wanna really honour Pastor Alex and and, and Pastor Jess. Just amazing. It, you guys have done such an amazing job this year. Honestly, let's just give it up for these guys. Praise God. Yeah, let's stand up and, and give honour where honour's due. You've done an amazing job. The church is in the best place that it's been. Uh, and you guys are just built so strong. And the fact that we can actually go away and have a prayer sabbatical because we know that God's church is in really safe hands. And so we just honour you, you know, can I just ask you guys to, to really get around Alex and Jess in this time and just ask how you can help. Uh, it's not a, not a light thing running a church, um, you know, there's a lot of responsibility and so, you know, really get around them, pray for us, pray for them. Um, you know, we're really grateful, we're really grateful, thank you, you guys are tremendous. Yeah, we love you heaps. Hallelujah. We have got one more announcement before I start. And um, if we can have John Boy to stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was his birthday the other day. And uh, we just want to honor him as well. He's just taken over our Hawthorne campus and doing a tremendous job. I was over there last night. The presence of God was just glorious. And um, we, we really love you, John Boy, and, and I just want to prophesy over you that this is your year. This this coming year is your year where God is going to fulfill the hopes, the dreams, the plans over your life that those doors are going to swing wide in Jesus' name because you're faithful, because you're steadfast, because you haven't left Jesus, you haven't taken your eyes off Jesus, no matter what season you've walked through, and we've walked with you for years And so I just prophesy life and life more abundantly. God, I thank you that you would pour out over him over this year and the coming years, God, that that these coming years would be far more fruitful than even the previous ones in the name of Jesus. Thank you for John Boy, God. Hallelujah. Come on. Holy Ghost, we love you. We love you. Woo! Praise you, Jesus. So let's all be upstanding. Let's just pray in tongues. Uh, You know, God has given me this Word. I believe it's a Word in season. And let's just stir ourselves up in our most holy faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Your Word is alive and active. Thank you, Heavenly Father. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you, God. God, for this word. And I pray that there'd be ears to hear and open hearts, Lord God. I thank you for your word. It accomplishes that which you sent it to do, God, and it would bear much fruit. God, that people that are hearing this today, God, it would bring a shift. It would bring a change. It would bring a challenge. It would bring conviction. It would bring encouragement. It would bring inspiration, Lord Father, God, to run harder after you, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, have your way in our life, God. We don't want our plan, God. We want yours. Lord God, help us to hear, God, even even the challenging stuff, God, help us to take it on board and be more, All like you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move through this place, God. I thank you for your word. It's powerful, God. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. He is so good. He is so good. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you. Hallelujah. It's a good way to start. Amen. So let's get straight into the word of God. If you've got your Bibles here, um, just get them out. You don't want to, you know, have someone preaching heresy. You want to make sure that what I'm saying is actually in the Word of God. Ministers can get it wrong. Always make sure you take it back to the Word of God. Amen. The infallible word. It never shifts, it never changes. And so this message title is Are You Serious? Say, Are You Serious? And we're going to go to Luke 9.57, and it's the cost of following Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this passage, and then I'm going to go back through it, and we're going to unpack scripture by scripture. So Luke 9.57, as it happened, as they were going in the way, one said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, first allow me to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first allow me to take leave of those in my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit, appropriate or well placed for the kingdom of God. And so I want to go back and I want to unpack these scriptures Um, to give us greater understanding of what Jesus is saying, saying, why he's saying it, and how that applies to our life today. Amen? So we're going to start with the first guy. So say the first guy. And as it happened as they were going in the way, one said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head and i love that he he is adamant about following jesus he is adamant what's coming out of his mouth is adamant that i'll follow you wherever you go and it's interesting because jesus pushes back a little bit You know, like if you're doing an interview for a job and maybe you might have 10 candidates, but you want to pick the one that's serious. You want to pick the one that's committed, going to be committed to the job. And he's just pushing back a little bit, just sharing some of the costs that it might cost him. And when this guy realizes that there's a potential to be homeless, (laughs) he stumbles at the first hurdle. Even though he said, I'll follow you wherever you go, he didn't even have enough commitment to start or even try. We can be like that with Jesus. We can be like that with Jesus. The second guy, say the second guy. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, first allow me to go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And that can seem like a harsh response. It's like, Wow, God, you don't even care about his dad? And what he was saying in the Jewish culture, if someone dies the very next day that they're buried. And so I highly doubt that this guy was talking to Jesus down at the lake if his dad had just died. And the culture of the day the oldest son would look after the elderly parents until they passed away. And so what he was doing is he's putting a delay in following Jesus. And then even after a parent passes away in that culture of that day, they could even take a year's leave um, to, to mourn the death of that parent. And so we see that, you know, God isn't saying you know, don't, don't go and bury him. He's just, there's a delay. He's saying, but first I've got to do this. First I've got to do that. And um, yeah, it's very, very interesting. There will always be something in the way of following Jesus. There, there'll always be something. We do that to Jesus. Hey, hey, Jesus, when, when my kids are grown up, then I'll serve you. Jesus, when I'm, when I'm retired and I've got more time, God, then I'll, I'll give it everything, God. When when I get that promotion, Jesus, I'll I'll start to give. I'll start to pour out into your kingdom. You know, we can do that to Jesus. First, I've got to do this. First, I've got to do that. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be other things. It would be easier to wait till my kids have grown up and then start serving Jesus, right? It'd be a lot easier, a lot less pressure. But no, Jesus told us to put him first in everything that we do. And when we put Jesus first, our marriages are better, our families are better, we're a better work person, when when he's first, everything is easier, amen? Thank you, Jesus. And so we've got the third guy, say the third guy. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first allow me to take leave of those in my house. And Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit, appropriate, or well placed for the kingdom of God. Again, something else was more important than immediate obedience to Jesus. See, Jesus isn't calling us at our convenience. Uh, Anyone notice that? Jesus is not calling us at our convenience. He's calling us at His. We we can come up with a lot of excuses. Man, I could use heaps of them. (laughs) But Jesus requires us to serve Him. Amen. He is number one. I mean, these guys couldn't even start the job without being distracted and delayed. They couldn't even start the job as if they're going to finish the job. You know, and so God is, is looking for disciples. He's not, he's not just looking for Christians that attend church. He's looking for disciples. That's what he's looking for. And we see a stark contrast of when Jesus says to Simon and Andrew, they were fishermen in Matthew 4, 18, 20. And look at the different response here. Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It says, immediately, they left their nets. They left their livelihood. They weren't thinking, oh, my goodness, we've had this fishing business for 60 years. My, my dad's going to be so disappointed. Um, hey, hey, Jesus, where are you actually taking us? What, what is this going to entail? I, I don't know if this is going to be better for me or worse. or I, I'm not sure, Jesus. Um, you know, can you tell me about, a bit more about that? I don't see anything in the text that says that. It says, immediately they left their nets. Immediately. Man, this word challenged me. This word really challenged me. And I, I thank God for the word of God that's meant to challenge us and, and convict us. Because I don't want to stay in the same place. I want to grow into the things of God. And, and that's what we're all here for, amen? To grow as disciples, you know, they gave a wholehearted yes. They gave a sacrificial yes. They said yes before they knew what the job was. Man, praise Jesus. And when Jesus said, um, follow me, like when, when they were training to be a rabbi, it was only the elite that could actually make it. All the little kids were trained up from little... They, they knew the Torah back to front. They, they could speak it verbatim. Everyone knew the Word of God, right? Right? But they were put through rigorous tests to, to, to the only elect. There were so many that failed in wanting to become a disciple or, or, or rabbi. So many failed. And by Jesus, you know, they, um, you, know you, you had to be good enough, right? But when Jesus says, follow me, what he's saying is he's saying that you are good enough to emulate who I am. I choose you. I believe that you can do it. I believe you can be like me. That's what he's saying. Hallelujah. We can all emulate Jesus. He's chosen us. We didn't choose him. He loved us. He paid the price for us. Oh, man, that's exciting. That's exciting. He says, follow me. They jumped at the chance. They jumped at the chance. You know, Jesus wasn't worried about how much they knew the word. He was worried about their heart. He was concerned about whether they would follow him. That's what he was looking at. Hallelujah. Interesting, the language he uses here in the last verse. He says, "'No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit, well-placed, or appropriate for the kingdom of God.'" And when you're reading through this, it's like it's like this normal conversation and then all of a sudden there's this disjoint that now all of a sudden Jesus is, is uh, pointing to a farming analogy. I'm like, a plow? What? Like, how do you get from there to there, Jesus? What, what is this about? And as I begin to do some research, I wanted to bring some understanding about what he's actually talking about and why and how we can apply that to our life. And so if I can put up a, the first picture of a plow, just in case you don't know what a plow is, it's very primitive looking, and uh, that's what they used back in the day. And so, you know, praise God, we don't have to do that anymore, amen. And so let's go to number two. And so what they would do is they would attach that plow to themselves and the horses, and they would, they would plow those fields And go to picture number three. And I just want to explain the purpose and the function of ploughing so you can get a better understanding. So what a plough does is it, um, so you've got all the weeds and the residue of the old crops. What it does is it picks up that dirt, it interrupts the weed cycle, it picks up all that dirt and it puts it under the ground um, at 180 degrees and it buries it. And as they're going, all the new nutrients are coming up out of the ground. And what it's doing is it's creating these, these huge, big, long trenches here, which are called furrows. And they are the new seedbed for the harvest. Isn't that amazing? Like Jesus just, all of a sudden, he, he, he's talking about farming. And so there's some rules for plowmen to remember to get the best harvest. A plowman must be able to consistently plow in a straight line. A plowman must keep his focus on an immovable object at the end of the field. And they would line up, say, a tree or some immovable object at the in between the ears of the animal, and they would plow towards that. They wouldn't pick a cow or, you know, something that's gonna move around. They'll be all over the shot. And so that's what that's how they would do that. A plowman knew to never look back over his shoulder. A plowman must have two hands on the plow to, one, steady it, but to control that animal. Hallelujah. So why does Jesus say, no one having put his hand to the plow? Do you notice Jesus says, hand and not hands? And so I did some research into why it says that. Why are you saying that, Jesus? It seems so disjointed. You're off over here now. And what happens is if you have two hands on the plow and you turn around to see if you're plowing in a straight line and not focused on the immovable object at the end of the field, what you do is when you turn around, you take the hand off the plow You take one hand off the plow. And what happens when you take one hand off the plow is you will start to plow crooked. And if you continue to plow crooked, the whole field will be ruined. There'll be no harvest. You can't fix it. Once you plow that, yes, you can correct it in spaces, but if you plow that whole thing crooked, there's no harvest coming. And so... Back in the day, a person that looked back constantly was seen as distracted, not focused on the job. They didn't take their responsibility seriously. They didn't value the job, and they couldn't be trusted to finish the job properly. So even though Jesus gave this guy every opportunity by his response... He's not a disciple. God's basically saying to him, you know, I'm giving you that honour, but you're not the right guy for the job. You know, God's giving him the opportunity to do that. You know, following Jesus means that we lose our life. Hallelujah. You can't be half in and half out with Jesus where disciples are all in. Do you know in farming, their whole world is centred around the harvest, their whole world, everything, all their energy, they've got to make sure they've got proper irrigation. They've got to make sure they're weeding it. They've got to make sure they're protecting it from the weather and the elements. And the, you know, they've got to pick it, uh, you know, the, the crops right down to the last hour. Everything revolves around that harvest. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Our whole lives need to revolve around the kingdom of heaven and advancing it on this earth. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus said, this is what it takes to be a disciple. And he's saying this to us today. And he's challenging us today. Are we merely Christians that Jesus is just kind of, you know, part of our life? Or are we disciples of Jesus? Followers. He's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers that are wholeheartedly committed to finishing the job properly. And he says this, Luke nine twenty three. and he said to them all, so no one's excluded here, all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever shall lo- save his life shall lose it, But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? And this is a challenge that God presents to us today. Because if God can trust you in the small things, if God can trust you to plow straight and not not be looking over your shoulder, you know, I want to say this. We can't afford to look back. You can't afford to look back at past regret. You can't afford to look back. Oh, you know, the devil, you're never going to make it. And you've done this and you've done that. Our identity needs to be not negotiable. Whenever the enemy comes with those lies trying to rock your identity, not negotiable. Come on, man. We need to grow up in the things of God. God has already said who we are in him. We need to believe it. Be immovable, unshakable in who he's called us to be. Sons and daughters of the living God. Stop looking back. You can't go back and fix the past. But you can look forward to a glorious future with Jesus. Hallelujah. And we've all said to Jesus at one point or another, I'll follow you, Jesus, but are you committed enough to see the job finished? That's my challenge to you today. Are you committed enough to see the job finished? The assignment that God has given you over your life. He's given us a personal assignment. He's given us a collective assignment as the body of Christ. How committed are you to, to giving that all and bringing an increase for Jesus on this earth? Come on, man. God is looking. It says His eyes go to and fro over the whole earth. Looking. I feel sorry for Jesus. Why is he having to look over the whole earth to find one that will lose their life for him? It should be there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. Man, he shouldn't have to be looking over the whole earth. Come on, man, we need to stand up for Jesus. I want to encourage you, there is gold in this place. It says there's treasure and earthen vessels that every single person here, you have a call. You have a mandate. God has called you. God has called you for a purpose, for his purpose, his plan. It says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Not a plan, plans. Not to harm you, but to give you a future, a hope to prosper you. Come on, that's our God. And He's given us every tool that we need to achieve that. He sent His Son, Jesus, who died on a cross, paid the price for all our sin. He was risen again. He's given us the infallible, immovable Word of God from Genesis to Revelations. We're not left in the dark here. And He's given us beautiful Holy Ghost. Come on, man. All we have to do, if you notice in that second picture... We're not doing the hard yards of the ploughing. The whole Father, Son, the Holy Ghost are doing that. The only responsibility we have is to fix our hands on that plough and looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Yeah. Come on, man. That's what God is asking us to do. It's not more hard work. He's talking about ploughing intentionally. In your lane, what has God asked you to do? He's talking about ploughing in hope and love and teachability and having a great attitude. No matter where you are, I'm not just talking about people in church. I'm talking about whatever sphere you're in. You might be in the business realm, studying at school. It it applies to everybody in every arena because we've all got a sphere of influence. We're to plough in integrity and honesty and humility faithfulness, steadfast, steadfast, determined to finish the race. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I just want um, to share a testimony. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm reading off this, um, and I'm reading God's Word, but it's not just words on a page for me. Dan and I have walked through this about where it will cost you something to follow Jesus. And so I want to share, before we started Fire Church here, we've been going for nearly seven years. Praise God, he's amazing. And I just want to share a little bit about that, because there's many that don't know, but we were involved in another church, and it started really well. It started really good. Um, we love the people. We we're so close to the people. they were our family, and... um. You know, it was amazing. We were seeing signs, wonders, miracles. It was just, it was awesome. But this church started to go wrong, really wrong. And uh, we ended up getting caught up in really hyper-legalism, hyper-authoritarianism, you know, like the shepherding movement in the 1960s. And Dan and I, we were in there for a number of years, a lot of years we were in there. And we started to see that marriages were being split up. We started to see things that weren't of the kingdom. And so we made a stand for righteousness and God delivered us out of that place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The thing with that... Is that these guys are like the Jehovah Witnesses? So when you step out of that church, you've left God. You're as good as dead to them. And so we lost every single person in there. Some of them are still in there. I love them dearly, man. Oh gosh, I miss them. But we had to grieve like as though they're dead. But some of them we still haven't been able to speak to because the iron curtain comes down as soon as you're out, man. That's it. You're out. Praise God, we've had some people that have come out and they've been restored in this house. Thank you, Jesus. And so two weeks after all this stuff went down, we made a stand for righteousness. We were like, this isn't right. And uh, I had my daughter, little Abby, she's nearly seven, and things went really wrong. I had an emergency caesarean, which was unexpected, and five hours after she was born, they found a growth on her throat. And we are in a little hospital in Nambour in Queensland, and it's a little country hospital. So, you know, they didn't have the equipment that they needed at that time. And so what they did is they flew her from Nambour to Brisbane in a helicopter. And so I'm separated from my, my, my baby, and uh, Dan couldn't go in there. Imagine trying to get Dan in a helicopter. <laughs> and, but he drove down. And because I'd had a cesarean, they wouldn't let me drive down and and see my baby. And praise God, the operation went well. But I um, developed DVTs, deep vein thrombosis. And I nearly died and I was in hospital for two weeks after she was born. It was tough. So not only had I lost all my church family, everyone I dearly loved, man, like so much. Still love them, absolutely love them. And... um. You know, thing, things went, went really hard, really hard. And so we made the decision to move back down here. Uh, my mum came up and helped me with the kids. I was too sick. I couldn't look after toddlers and a baby and Dan working. And so we made the decision to move back here. So my mum come and got us. We stayed with my mum in Ballarat for two weeks. Dan was still up uh, in Queensland. Uh, we had to give away everything. We couldn't afford to get it back to Victoria, so we donated everything. We left with the clothes on our back, and uh, that was tough. Brand new baby, health is absolutely shot. Uh, Everything went wrong. We lost so much, and um, praise God for Tony Hagen. I get emotional when I talk about this. And uh, you know we stayed at, at Tony's place, and and it was tough, man. A whole family, you know, um, all of us, you know, all six of us, we're we're like literally homeless. We have got nothing. We've we've we're lost everything. And the house that we moved into, from here, we had ice in the sink for a fridge. We didn't even have a fridge. You know, and, and I could I could look around in that situation, and I did. It messed me up. One, just even dealing with one of those things was really hard. It's like you imagine all your family gone in an instant, and everyone that you know, eighty of your closest people around you, and they're all gone. The grief was unbearable. It was really, really, really hard. And um. But I knew that Jesus was real. I didn't understand all this what was going on, but I knew that Jesus Christ was real. And we got treated really badly and really harshly and unfairly, but I didn't look to people, I looked unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, the immovable object at the end of the field. You know, and in those times, it's it's really hard because you're just seeing here. You're just seeing, it's like you're short-sighted. You're in these circumstances, you've lost everything. But I tell you, God works all things for the good of those who love Him. And if your situation is not good now, God is moving it to be good. He's in the process of making something good out of your life. Hallelujah. 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 But God, but God, but God, thank you, Jesus. And uh, through all this, this time, <laughs> I love God, and this is why I'm talking about, you know, we've got to be ready at God's convenience, not our own. And anyway, we were in Victoria, and God gave us dreams about planting another church, fire church. He told us where to plant it. He gave us consecutive dreams. I didn't want to. I'm like, I'm not, I am so smashed. I am so broken. I can't God, I I can't do this. I don't want to do it. And I remember uh, Pop, he had Rescue Australia in Narry Warren, and we had like a little, um, we got up, we just started in a school with a handful of people here. And, uh, you know, Pop wanted his church to come under the banner of Fire Church I'm just like, no way. I'm done, man. I'm done. Like, I don't know what that was, but whoa, I I need to rest. I'm I'm like, it was, it was really, really, Tony would remember, very difficult days. Very you wanna <laughs> depression, like it was full on. It was full on. And um and I heard Pop talk about the indigenous and how much he loved them, and that they were being abused, and that he wanted to go and bring hope and love to them. And I started to cry. And I said to Jesus, I said, far be it from me to stop anyone hearing about the gospel. And I said to God, it's a yes from me. It's a sacrificial yes. I don't want to do it, God. It's not convenient. I'm hurting. I'm broken. But it's a yes from me because you're real. And I look at what God has done. I look at the, the, all these beautiful faces here. None of you would be sitting here if we had given up. None of this would be happening if we had given up in those hard times. Hard times are good, man. Don't despise them because you learn who God is. He becomes so strong on your behalf. Don't despise the good times. He's working it all for the good of those who love Him. Amen. And, and I look at what He's done, even in those times of just being so short-sighted. I didn't see this. God did, because He knows the plans He has for us <laughs> to give us a future and a hope. And so we, we planted the church, and I'm telling you, I could, have, you know, I could have just sat back, but I was like, I'm doing this wounded, God. And as I began to walk with Jesus and keep my eyes fixed on heaven, I began to heal. Oh, man. I never thought I'd minister again. This is a miracle. This is Jesus. Cuz he healed my heart. He restored me. He brought reconciliation. Come on in this church. The lives that are being changed in this church. Can I say to you, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. God needs you to give him everything. He needs you to give him everything. There are so many people in here and you are all amazing. And God has an amazing call on your life. Don't sell out. Don't just treat it as nothing. Don't bury the talent in the ground. Go after it. Be a disciple of Christ. God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to do it with everything I've got. And I look at the way God has restored us. I'm undone. You know, four campuses in Awakening Australia, we're ministering to tens of thousands of people all over the world for Jesus, for Jesus. Come on, man, God believes in you. God's chosen you. God said you are enough. God said it. We've just got to pick up our cross. What, God, what have you asked me to do? Where do you need me, Jesus? See, so often we bring Jesus into our plan. Oh, follow me, Jesus. No, we got it round the wrong way. We got it, Jesus is saying, follow me. No, you need to come his way, his will, his plan, his purpose. Stop trying to make God follow you. Come on, man. Immediate Obedience. Jesus, if he's not first in your life, then I believe this is a man, this is an I tell you, in season word. He is requiring more of us. Are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious to finish the work that he started in you? He's faithful to finish the work, he says, but are we? Are we going to partner with heaven? Because I tell you, your call is not just going to fall into your lap. It's not. This is the Word of God, right? All the promises, all the prophetic words you've had over your life, you can look at it, you can hear the Word of God. You can see it, you can have it sitting there for 50 years, but unless you apply it, unless you open it up, do something with it. It's not going to benefit you. And I see so many people miss the call of God on their life because they're waiting. Oh, here's destiny at the door. Here's everything. Here's your day of destiny. You've made it. That's not going to happen. You look at an athlete, a top athlete, Margaret Court. Dan's just been up there recently. She is the top tennis player in the world. She, the prophetical, speak to your potential, but you need to put in the hard yards. She didn't get to where she is by sitting on the couch eating chips. She trained. There was sacrifice. There was there was discipline to become the best. We need to become the best we can be in Jesus. Not competing with each other. No, no. You've got a unique call. Don't look to one another. Let Jesus be the one that you want to imitate. Let Jesus be the one that you want to emulate. Let Jesus be the one that you look to for the standard. Don't look to man. Don't look to man looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I want to I give people an opportunity in this place today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, If you don't know him, then I want to give you an opportunity, praise you Jesus, to know him. He's beautiful. He's wonderful. He's amazing. Hallelujah. I just want to give you an opportunity if if that's you in this place that you don't know Jesus or maybe you knew him when you were younger but you haven't really been following after him or really know him then I want you to put your hand up in this place. I want you to be bold. Jesus needs people that are bold. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I want to put a a call out. I want to put a call out as well. Are you serious? If this message has pricked your heart, am I a disciple? Am I willing to finish the job that Jesus gave me to do on this earth? And I just, you know, if you feel like far out, God, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a disciple, then I want you to come forward. We're going to open up this altar and we want to pray for you, man. We want to pray for you. We want to see you fulfill your potential. We want to see people risen up into who God called them to be. And So I want to encourage each one of you, man, go for it. Go for it. Go for it for Jesus. Sell out for Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're just going to stand to our feet. We're going to have some declarations to finish off today. We're going to partner with God. So let's stand up together and we're going to make these declarations. I will not be afraid or fearful. Okay, I'm sure we can do louder than that. (laughs) I will not be afraid or fearful. I choose to lay down my life and pick up your cross daily. I will finish the work you've given me to do. I will put both hands to the plow and advance your kingdom. I am God's beloved And I choose to follow you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website firechurch.com.au.